Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space are sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her specially appearing companion, Philip Gilfus. So you've been doing a rewatch of the 10th Doctor. I have been. I was hoping to get through much of it for our last episode about the Doctor Who 10th Doctor companions, but um, that didn't happen. So, but I found that I was really enjoying the rewatch and uh, quite learning lots of things that I'd forgotten or that I didn't notice the first time. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment when you're not here. Right, and I just walked in, you were watching the first appearance, timey-wimey of, of course, River Song. Yes, yeah. Or last appearance, if you want to be that way. Yeah, depending on which direction you want to look at it. I do love a little bit of River Song. So you feel like you've been rediscovering... Last time we spoke, we were talking about, um, I guess, all three companions, but you were sort of in your rose phase, so you feel like you've rediscovered Martha and Donna a bit? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sticking with it, I think. I'm sticking with my order of Rose, Martha, Donna... But I am enjoying the Donna episodes, so I will say that. So, Doctor Who has a tradition of doing special episodes during franchise anniversaries. There was the Three Doctors on the 10th anniversary in 1973, the Five Doctors on the 20th anniversary, Dimensions in Time on the 30th, and a few special episodes that recognized various milestones. When 2013 rolled around, the stakes were high for the 50th anniversary. What would be the story? What doctors and previous companions would show up? The Day of the Doctor premiered on November 23rd, 2013, and the rest is history. It was very interesting watching it this time, sort of outside of the 11th Doctor's run. So, you know, instead of it being an 11th Doctor story, watching it this time sort of as a its own stand-up, it was sort of just the 50th Doctor anniversary. So it's sort of interesting not to be in the context of the 11th Doctor story, even though it is, but it, it was more of a standalone watching for me this time. Yes, yes. Although, the last time we watched this, um, this was the first doctor who episode you introduced me to and i'll be interested to see if your opinions have changed over those years at this point so i think the way i really focus this time and what i want to talk about first with you is you know there's so much going on in the 50th you know we could probably do a bunch of episodes focusing on different things but i want to really focus on the war doctor the uh ninth doctor if you want to go that route but anyway john hurt's doctor because, of course, this is his only appearance. And so, you know, we're never going to do another War Doctor profile unless maybe we go to the maybe some big finish productions. But I thought it was really interesting to focus on him as this sort of being his story. And, of course, it's the Doctor's story. They're all Doctors. But what did you kind of think of the War Doctor or whatever you want to call him? I really love it as a concept, actually. And I think that there are Doctor Who fans who have very mixed feelings about this completely new 
old doctor being introduced into the mix because we don't really get from the present day doctors exactly what happened in the time war. We know it happened, we know it was bad, but we don't really see the decision making and all of that. And so I liked that. And it, I think it creates a nice bridge between the old and the new. It was interesting. We did a poll on the Nerd Party Twitter, which is at Join Nerd Party. So even though the poll has passed, feel free to tweet at us. But I asked um, which doctor was people's favorite in just the 50th anniversary? Because I'm sure you, everyone has their own favorite doctor. But just in the 50th, who you kind of thought maybe was the best, stole the show, whatever. I thought it was interesting results. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. I did too. In first place was Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, of course, with 36% of the vote. But what was interesting to me is we had a tie for a second, which was 29% for both David Tennant, the 10th Doctor, and 29% for John Hurt, the War Doctor. And then we sort of had 6% other. But I, I think that goes to show that John Hurt, you could say, he, he, I mean... It's John Hurt, so you would not really say this. But, you know, he sort of added on, you know, does this make sense in the canon, whatever, whatever. But that even in that one short appearance, I mean, of course, technically he appeared for a couple seconds in the episode prior. But for his only appearance, he held his own. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was particularly interested uh, because we watched an interview with... Stephen Moffat. With Stephen Moffat after we saw uh, the uh, episode where he was talking about getting David Tennant and Matt Smith together, and David Tennant's comment about the script was, oh, am I just the comic relief? And Matt Smith's response to the script was, why does David get all the jokes? And so I found it really interesting that Matt Smith still came out on top. Although I wonder if it's because technically it was during his run. Right. And, and I think it's interesting that the way they looked at it of course, much to our chagrin, Stephen did say, talk to Chris or, you know, whoever, the BBC or whatever, talk to Chris Eccleson. Chris said no. Yeah. <sighs> but that, that you know, Stephen kind of went to the, I thought it was interesting just to back up for a second, that apparently for the 50th anniversary, nobody was under contract to appear in this, you know, because I guess because of the special or whatever, well, that Jenna and, Coleman and was the only person. That technically was, you know, had, was going to, had to appear. And so he had zero people. And so Matt and David both said yes, luckily. And then Chris said no. But it appears to me that Stephen did have the story in his head. And so if you can't do Chris. What do you do? Yeah. And I, I don't think it was just in his head. I think he had written it down. <laughs> I think that he had a lot of the script already written. Um, and I think the reason nobody was under contract is because Matt had officially finished at least recording by then, mm -hmm. filming. They hadn't finished showing all of his episodes, perhaps, but he was definitely finished. And, of course, they already knew who the Doctor was, the next Doctor was. That's because true. Because he does make an appearance. Um, but how do you feel, because, you know, like I said, you, you watch this at first, but now you've had some more Doctor Who experience. Mm -hmm. um, not the Doctor Who experience, which is shut down. But anyway, um, <laughs> what's your feeling about, oh, this is messes up the numbering, and oh, we've never seen him before, and you know, do you have those sort of canon issues, or do you accept it? Oh, okay, well, there you go. I don't have those canon issues, partly because as a relatively newcomer, I don't have the strident fandom 
mm-hmm. in my soul. And But I also think, like I said, it works for me as a bridge between the Eighth Doctor and the Ninth Doctor. And it works for me. And I think that they did a really nice job with the, um, the old ladies. Oh, the sisters of... I can't remember, but yeah. Sister, when the sisters of something. Yeah, and they, they appear in Doctor Who a lot. I yes. just can't remember their name for the moment. Um, you know, say he's not a doctor. He's not the doctor. You know, he's the warrior. Mm-hmm. He gets to choose what he's going to be, and he chooses to be a warrior. Right. And so that works for me. The sisters of Khan, I believe. And, of course, what you're referring to was the special episode, you want to call it, with the... Eighth Doctor, which we don't have to get into that this episode, but that knocked my socks off when I was watching that, because his line, of course, is, I'm the Doctor and not the one you were expecting. I'm like, oh my god, Paul McGann? Are you kidding me? And so, I I mean, I just thought that was awesome that they brought him back for that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I thought, listening to Stephen Moffat in his interview, that the way they cast it was, who would have been cast as the Doctor when it was cancelled? So this would have been, you know, after Sylvester McCoy... In the 80s, early 90s, I suppose. But anyway, who would have been an actor in the UK, obviously, who would have been cast as Doctor Who, or even just during the classic period? And and then, of course, the response is, you know, somebody like John Hurt. (laughs) And you never know if they're just saying that. But yes, yes. But I thought that was interesting, because, of course, now that actor would be older, you know, because... And I, I did think that was an interesting way to look at it, you know, that John Hurt, you know, could have been the Doctor in the early 80s or whatever. And I... He probably could have, but in, but it's interesting. You sort of get that in that episode. You sort of get the young reflection, the young John Hurt. So this doctor has lived a long life because you know you know various doctors. They don't all in their actual lifetimes as their incarnations always last long. But we're led to believe the War Doctor has lived a long time. But I guess most of that has been fighting the Time War, and so the central conflict, at least for the War Doctor in this show, is that he feels that he's not the Doctor. He, like you said, he feels like he's the Warrior. And I guess he's been fighting the Time War, and, you know, he has these battle scars. The TARDIS all has, you know, these battle scars. And he's finally decided that it's gone too far because we have the invasion of Gallifrey by the Daleks. And, you know, the uh, Time Lords have used all their weapons except for one. And in that special episode with the Eighth Doctor, we're led to believe that the Time Lords have gone too far, which they usually do. With the Daleks and that, you know, basically all of time and space is burning and it's basically the apocalypse of the galaxy and reality. And the Doctor, the War Doctor, has decided it's time for it all to end. And he steals the, the moment. moment. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you feel about that conflict of him, you know, and, and I think we find out later in Peter Capaldi's run, because I think he revisits um, mm. the place. Because uh, I think it's that's his home where he grew up, I think. The Doctors, I believe. I'd have to catch that. It's been a while since I've seen that 12th Doctor episode from the place where he grew up in Gallifrey. But whatever. Anyway, but he goes to this place, because we don't know during the 50th where it is, but he walks away from the TARDIS. Yes. And then he's there having to make the decision. And, the, and then, of course, that's the whole conflict with the Rose, who I love, appears. But anyway, what do, what do you sort of think? Well, about, we yeah. certainly know that, or we assume, rather, that Stephen Moffat wrote Rose as playing the moment under the impression or under the hopes that Christopher Eccleston would come back and that would make sense. Um, but it was nice to see her and I, I liked what she was doing with it. Very different from Rose. 
Because, and not to get off the War Doctor topic, but of course every Doctor anniversary, you know, tends to bring back the Doctors and tends to bring back their companions. But technically, we only had one companion. We only had uh, Clara. Yeah. Now, brought back Rose, of course, which technically is the 10th Doctor's companionship. But the 10th Doctor didn't have a companion in this episode. So it was funny because you had just finished watching Voyage of the Damned before we watched it. That was sort of, he was in a solo period. So I sort of, in my head can was like, oh. For the tenth Doctor, this is That's right after where the Voyage he of Dam. Yes, <laughs> but and the War Doctor didn't have a companion, which I suppose uh, something we've talked about off mic is, and you know, for most fans, that the companion needs to humanize the Doctor. Well, the War Doctor doesn't have a companion, at least not that we know of. You know, and, and maybe that's been added in the audio dramas, but. You know, without that companion, maybe he has been going too far, and this is where it, what's led him to... Well, and it's also an interesting perspective of, you know, the Doctor needs companions to humanize him. Maybe that's a Time Lord trait, is that they go too far, and that's what led them to this place in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it, the Time Lords usually do not come across very well in most of Doctor Who. Yeah. So, I can believe it. Yeah, absolutely. But I like... I like the conflict of it. I like, you know, when he first shows up and then when Rose first shows up as the moment, she says, you know, you parked a long way away. You've walked for miles with this thing. All of this was incredibly deliberate and he was convinced that it was the only thing to do. But it's clear from the moment he steps into that space that this is something that he has thought long and hard about. I mean, it's sort of the no-win situation, the Kobayashi Maru, to use a Star Trek term. Um, but Sorry, guys. <laughs> but it is interesting. I, I, there's a very good line you know, that the moment says something about, you know, if you do this, you know, you, know, you won't survive. And he's like, oh, I don't expect to survive. And she's like, well, then that's your punishment. You will survive if you do this. And, and you'll of, count the children. Yeah. So how do you believe, you know, I'm not speeding through this, but with the War Doctor, you know, he, he the, the moment offers to show, okay, if you do this, and you, I've said you're going to survive, let's see who you become because of the, what you do today. So there was this whole timey-wimey where he then meets the 10th Doctor and the 11th Doctor. Um, he is unimpressed at first because, of course, that's always the gag when the Doctors meet. They hate each other. Yeah. Um. But fast forward, and basically he sees the men, in this case, um, <laughs> the men who they are. And, you know, he, he says they're very impressive when he's talking to Clara, um, and even to the moment. And he's eventually convinced by the end of this that, you know, these men, it's that great, of course, only John Hurt can de- deliver this line, but the great line about, you know, um, Great men are, what is it, great men are born from the fires up to lesser men to light, light, light that the fire. flame. Yeah. yeah, and which is, you know, he's saying, I'm not the doctor anymore, but I can, I see the, who these great doctors are. So if that's what I do and make them, then that's this, you know, the sin I will carry um, to do that. And so he decides then to press the big red button. Well, and they all decide together. And I think that's another, I like the fact because. Obviously, 10 and 11 have been living with that choice. And now to go back and have the opportunity to revisit it and make the same choice again. You know, it's all incredibly deliberate and it's incredibly difficult. But it's 
incredibly deliberate. And you know, sort of before we get the clarifying moment, ah, Clara. Um, but before we get the Clara-fying moment, stop that. Um, People but, will stop listening to us. <laughs> you, you sort of see the doctors, or, the, or 10 and 11, I'll be specific, telling the war doctor you were the doctor on the day you possibly couldn't be the doctor. And, you know, again, no win situation. What are you going to do? The, the Daleks and Time Lords are destroying all of creation, so destroy them, and the galaxy and reality is safe. Of course, you just kill everyone. But they come together and be like, we don't want you to do this alone. Which, of course, technically is because they're all the doctor. But anyway, you know, at least not to be that only person in the room to have some sort of feeling that that we're doing this together. Well, and again, for them having lived through it to go back and say, yes, it was the choice we had to make. You know, there's some affirmation in that. I, I do think... It's very interesting with the war doctor's look. The faux hawk on a man his age, I would usually say doesn't work, but it works for him. Look, John Hurt can pull off anything. He's a little bit like Sam Elliott in that way. (laughs) You know, he can pull pull off anything. You mean granddad? (laughs) But, you know, again, what, what John Hurt just plays, I mean, it's very understated, and that's not a critique, because he's sort of, the reflective doctor, the, the the tortured doctor, but not in a emo way, of course, but just the, feeling the reality, feeling the grind. But he is still contemplative about it, you know, real, still thinking it through, but also being or, about the reality of what he's doing. And and he still is the doctor. There's still some whimsical things that he does. You know, why can't he just have a big red button sometimes, um, or a cup of soup? But anyway, you know, <laughs> but that. John Hurt does play the Doctor. Yeah, and I think he does it well. And I think that Christopher Eccleston would have been a really great war doctor. He mm-hmm. would have, but I do feel like it needed to be someone out of time and space, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, it needed to be a completely separate doctor. So I liked, ultimately, you know, I would have loved to have seen Christopher Eccleston in it, but I still think that I would have liked to have a separate war doctor for this. And of course, you know, unfortunate reality, but of course John Hurt plays this great role in 2013 and then dies about three years later or four years later. He died January 25th, 2017, and so... We need to find somebody who can play him. <laughs> For a future special. Yes. Uh, I don't think it's hard to replace John Hurt. Yes. But anyway, you, you've mentioned Chris Eccleson. The Ninth Doctor, of course, was a tortured doctor. Of course, he was very also... He, he was a lot of things. I mean, whimsical and funny and dancing and jokey, but also very of the reality moment. And so just playing fantasy for a moment, imagine that... Chris actually said yes, for some bizarre reason. Um, I mean, for him, I would have wanted him to say yes. And we did get the Ninth Doctor. I I wonder at what point we would have gotten him in his timeline. Yeah, and I think that's one of the other things. Before he met Rose, obviously. He has to be. Ah, well, yeah, no, it would have to be. See, there you go with all the timey-wimey. It would have to be because it would have been. You know, if we assume... For the moment that the Eighth Doctor regenerates straight into the Ninth Doctor, then Christopher Eccleston is the one who goes through all of the war. So he hasn't met Rose yet um, at that point in time. And you could still play with the memory, you know, writing that. You know, it could still be Billy Piper, you know, I'm from your future, oh, I don't know who you are, and then 
play with that. Yeah, absolutely. I would have loved to see the circumstance of of because they still would have tried to see. I mean, knowing Moffat, he still would have wanted to show the eight to nine regeneration. Yes. And so, I wonder what if the episode would have been exactly the same. You know, is Chris well the ninth Doctor is the ninth Doctor the warrior? Because I don't know if I picture him as. I mean, I can see him being that part of his story because mm. uh, he's sort of. I mean, I don't want to say the PTSD. I think that's an exaggeration of the ninth Doctor, but he certainly lives with the time war. Yes, and I think that would be one of the biggest difficulties is that the Ninth Doctor, more so, I think, than the Tenth and the Eleventh, lives with the decision he made really close to him. The other two are obviously very contemplative about it, but for the Ninth Doctor, it's still really fresh. And for then, then for him to go back and play the war doctor, he has to get rid of all of that because he doesn't have it yet. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of changes who we see the ninth doctor as. It wouldn't be our ninth doctor. Right. And that would have been an incredibly challenging thing to have to maneuver around, I think. So I guess maybe we've talked ourselves into liking that Chris said no. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I would have loved, again, I would have loved for him to have come back and been a part of it, just not as the War Doctor. And I do like having the War Doctor, I mean, it's, you know, this isn't a real separation, but the War Doctor is a classic Doctor, quote-unquote. He's not a new Who Doctor, and so he can make commentary about the new Who Doctors, you know. Is there a lot of kissing in the future? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's quite fun. Or timey wimey. What are you children? Yeah. What are you? Why are you holding that screwdriver like it's a weapon? You know all these sort of you know moments. And you're like, oh, that's that's I like that. Well, we've t- talked about John Hurt and the War Doctor, so let's talk about the other two. We get ten and eleven together. Now you've been watching a lot of ten right now, and so I don't know in your head canon if you sort of. Pictured it, you know, he's just coming straight off the screen, or whether you're like, ah, oh, no, David Tennant's been on a couple of years. But anyway, you know, how did you like seeing the 10th Doctor sort of slammed with the 11th Doctor and how they played around together? Well, they're both my favorites. Um, I, I would be really hard-pressed to, to choose between the two of them, to be perfectly honest. And so that was interesting. And I did feel like in this episode, they had a whole lot of similarities their approach to the Doctor, particularly in this episode, when you see them side by side, are not all that different. I think that it's interesting to contrast them. I'm sort of trying to think as I talk because Matt being so young, but of course he does play it old at times. I think he does play an old Doctor, whereas Tennant is sort of, as Clara describes him, the hero. You know, he is, I think, he plays his age. You know, I, I don't think of the Tenth Doctor as being nine hundred years, even though he is, he's just David Tennant. You know, he's the Tenth Doctor, whereas Matt, he's the young Matt Smith at times, but he's also sort of the old. I've lived and I've seen a lot of things, Doctor mm. at times as well, and and it's very good, interesting to see a young actor because he's only like twenty eight or twenty nine, and maybe even thirty in this fiftieth anniversary to be able to play that. You know, a thousand year or maybe. I don't know how old I am. I've been lying to myself so long, you know, Doctor. Uh. But it is interesting, you know, because I like the fact that they're not getting along just lasts a short time. Because, I mean, for a lot of the Doctors, I showed you a little bit of two and three, Mm. and some of the other Doctors will squabble for a long time. 
But these guys are just like, yeah, you're different. You're different. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, of course, you don't like anything. And then, all right, let's work together. Yeah. And, of course, in this particular episode, they have a lot of things they have to work on together. So it's almost a, a forced, let's sort this out and move on. I mean, I feel like they play as brothers really well, almost. Yeah. You know, they're not necessarily competing or, you know, I feel like quickly they're just, they play like they're just older brother, younger brother. Which one's which? I don't know. But anyway. (laughs) Are you suggesting that uh, maybe Matt Smith should be auditioning for Broadchurch? (laughs) Well, if it wasn't canceled, yes. (laughs) But yeah. And of course, not only do you get 10, 11, we get 12. We do. Yes. And I loved that. As a general moment, you know, when, when you know, it starts out with just the three doctors all working together to make Gallifrey disappear, and then all of the other doctors start appearing on the screen. I started a very long time ago. Warning the War Council of Gallifrey. This is the doctor. You might say, I've been doing this all my lives. Good luck. And that's my sort of fangasm moment of when you start seeing the pictures of the first and the second. Oh my gosh, and they even get a nice ninth doctor uh, uh clip and the and the uh, the time lords are like there are 12 of them and then somebody says no 13 and you see this clip of peter capaldi and, and the I'm, attack eyebrows yeah yes <laughs> uh so yeah that was that was really nice i liked that he got to be included in that because you know you have the 50th it's it's always a struggle because the 50th obviously is big i mean it's 50 obviously you know it's not three it's not ten so to cram them all in there. <laughs> well done with numbers, <laughs> darling. <laughs> but I mean, to cram them all in there is, is sort of impossible to do. But they did it. Because uh, all you need is a mention or something. And they did, I think, a little better than that. I, you know, I wasn't expecting that moment of, even though they sort of foreshadowed it with the sonic screwdriver in the door. Oh, it's possible if we're all cooperating together across thousands and centuries. And then we get all the doctors together. It's just crazy. doesn't make sense in continu- continuity. Maybe not. But I can ignore it because, oh my God, all the doctors together, including... The newly announced Doctor, watching it for the first time, you're like, oh my gosh, is it that wasn't enough? Of course, we get another fan moment that still, every time, when Eleven's sitting there alone, and you hear that voice, that deep baritone that says, maybe you will, and just that shiver down, because <laughs> you're like, oh my god, is that? And it's Tom Baker. <laughs> Oh, my beautiful fanboy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and of course, Tom Baker, so he didn't appear in The Five Doctors for the 20th anniversary, so it was quite nice that he got a chance to redeem himself 30 years later. I thought it was very interesting, because if you pay attention, you hear that Queen Elizabeth has, or the first, Queen Elizabeth I, I should be specific, has appointed the Doctor the Caretaker. And then you, oh, there's the caretaker, and maybe I could be the caretaker, and then of course you get, I am the caretaker. Yes. Just revisiting some of the old favorites. And I I just love the fact that he acts so Tom Baker, fourth doctor. Of course, the man can't help himself. He is the fourth fourth doctor, Tom Baker, but just the whole, like, shh, no, you know, and all these little ticks that he does, like, he just puts them all in, like, three minutes. 
of everything that is the fourth doctor, just like minus the scarf. But it's just an internal thing. He's wearing the scarf. We all know it. (laughs) Yes. And of course, he's the one who solves the mystery as well. You know, he's like, ah, everybody thinks it's either called No More or Gallifrey Falls. But it's actually, you know, that's just such a nice little bow on the top of everything as it's all tied together. And I did like, I call it a fourth wall thing, and I don't know how else people consider it. There's a moment, you know, where he's saying, oh, if you were me or if I were you, and it's all very cute. Then there's a moment where Tom Baker says congratulations to Matt Smith for playing the Doctor during the 50th. And he, and then Matt Smith says, thank you very much. And then they go back into character. You know, that's how I read it. I don't okay. know if you caught that moment. No, because, now I want to go back and look at it. Yeah, so it's all like, oh, if y'all are me, oh. And he's like, congratulations, oh, thank you very much. And then they just go back to it. To me, that's a very fourth, or a very fourth wall, huh? Fourth, the fourth doctor, haha. I'm just saying. <laughs> Seriously, nobody's going to listen to us anymore <laughs> if you don't stop doing that. But just telling Matt Smith, congratulations, that you're playing the doctor and you're holding this well during the 50th. You've made it this far. It kind of is very reminiscent of the or adventure in space and time that we saw, where you have Matt Smith appearing to David Bradley playing William Hartnell about to retire, forced retire. And you, you get that moment, of course, very fictional, but you get that moment of Bill Hartnell getting to, to know you, you will live on your character that you've created. That you've created. I mean, others have too, but that you played, I should say that, will live on. And originate it, perhaps. Maybe that's the word you're looking for. I mean, again, there's a gobs to talk about, but any final thoughts about the War Doctor and multiple Doctors in New Who? I love it. And I I love the fact that we're going to revisit some of this with Capaldi. We're going to revisit that room where they switch everybody around with the red sucky things. Zygons. Zygons. That so, we're going to revisit that. And, I mean, Peter Capaldi's going to give, in my opinion, one of the very best Doctor Who speeches ever <laughs> in that moment. So that's going to be really nice. Right, so how about into the TARDIS library? I mean, we're, we're going back to 2013 already, so where are you taking us this time, darling? Well, we're going to talk about the other 50th anniversary special, and that's the Five-ish Doctor's Reboot, which premiered also on 23rd November 2013. Please tell me it was on a different channel so that they were competing against each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it followed it, and it stars... And is written and directed also, I believe, yes. by Peter Davison, the fifth doctor. Also stars Colin Baker, the sixth doctor, Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor, and even Paul McGann, the eighth doctor. And actually, it stars a million people. But those are sort All of. All the people make a nice appearance. A brief synopsis is that you have what I'll call the classic doctors, that being Peter, Colin, and Sylvester, conspiring about how they can be involved and the announced 50th anniversary special. And they sort of go through all these hijinks on, on how they can sort of sneak into the set and, and pestering Stephen Moffat and all these funny things. Calling and leaving half-hour voicemails. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just love all the appearances. And, and certainly, I'm, all not, I'm only going to list partially all the people that were involved. But I thought another point of this was to sort of include everyone throughout a who. So, for instance... Not only do you have appearances by David Tennant, of course, Peter's 
uh, son-in-law. But you, in Matt Smith and Jen, sort of a dream sequence. But you have Stephen Moffat, of course. And, but even the nods, you have Sean Pertwee, uh, as people may know from Gotham, who, of course, is the third Doctor's son. I believe you had some relatives of the second Doctor show up as well. And you even had Georgia Moffat, of course, the Doctor's daughter, of course, David Tennant's <laughs> and wife. And the Doctor's wife. Of course, Peter Davidson's daughter. And just all these people throughout all of Doctor Who, Nicholas John Briggs, Barrowman, of all course, these makes a great... Memorable appearance. Yes. And... It's, it's just all these hijinks. But, but, but what did you think about the whole sort of drama, docudrama? I don't know what you want to call it. I enjoyed it. It felt ever so slightly self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. I can live with that. Yeah. And I quite liked the sort of family hijinks of it. You know, it's got the doctors, the variety of doctors' families in it. Um, to the point of David Tennant and... Georgia Moffat's... A pregnant Georgia Moffat. Yes, a pregnant Georgia Moffat, but then their daughter appears as... uh, One of John Behrman's secret children. Yes, (laughs) with his secret normal heterosexual life, (laughs) which he's trying to keep very secret. (laughs) So yeah, I I quite enjoyed it as a little caper. Of course, you know, if you're watching that, the Five-ish Doctors reboot, you know, obviously all the inside jokes ever. Of course, I probably didn't get all of them because I didn't know all the people, but even most of them, you can get, again, you know, with John Berman singing the whole way and giving out CDs. <laughs> yes. But even just them stealing their old costumes. And I love the fact that they wore T-shirts of their costumes with their jackets over them. I was like, I want all those T-shirts then. <laughs> but with the 50th anniversary at the run-up to it, you know, there were people asking, well, look, they're still alive. Can you have the classic Doctors? And I think this is sort of a a love letter to Doctor Who fans about, like, well... Look, we may not have had the classic... Well, of course we did. We just explained how they had the classic Dodgers in the 50th. But here they are. This is a little fun romp with all those other great actors. And this is how it goes. Yes, absolutely. And it would have been impossible to include all of the Doctors in the 50th special without making it a year-long series. <laughs> you know, there's just no way to make that work. Um, so, as you say, this gives us a chance and gives them a chance to be a part of it. You know, I I actually can't imagine how sort of soul-destroying it would be to have played the Doctor and still be alive and kicking and not be invited to come back to the 50th, something that big, mm-hmm. you know, that would be... That would be a, a tough pill to swallow, so I'm glad that, that everybody got their chance to shine. <laughs> yeah, and I just love sort of the end jokes, you know, Sylvester McCoy making the Lord of the Rings, did you mention? Oh, no, the Hobbit, excuse me. Making the Hobbit, did he mention that he was in the Hobbit? Because he's in the Hobbit. By the way, he's in the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and then I love the, the running gag about Paul McGann, who shows up, and they're all like, he's always filming. And, you know, where'd he go? Oh, he had work. Uh, you know, just because, I mean, he is in, you, you he's see in everything. Yeah. And, though, of course, I do like the early on in the first five seconds Olivia's appearance. Yes, that was quite nice. Uh, am I not in this? Because I'm in everything. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the the finale, the last little bit with Russell T. Davis trying to get in on it as well, which is really nice. Of course, they, they lead us to believe that the classic doctors were in the 50th anniversary according oh yes of course they were secreted well they were they dressed themselves up as daleks but stephen moffat cuts the scene right so but then they hid themselves under curtains absolutely underground playing the 
red sucky things. Zygons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm actually wondering if they really did or not. I mean, I, I, know, I, that would I, be quite fun. I, I, you know, I, I assume it's a joke, but I'm like, well, what if they really were? Because, I mean, when you look at the statues in that scene, it doesn't look like a Zygon frame. It looks like a human statue. So I'm like, that would be hilarious if that was true. It would be. Yeah. Let's tell people that it's true. That's right. And, and see how far we can get with that. I'll have to watch the credits one day, who, who was listed by the credits of Oh, statues. yeah. <laughs> right. So, what are we going to talk about next week, my love? Well, we've mentioned him a few times in this episode. Is it John Barrowman? Let's talk about John Barrowman. <laughs> we will be talking about John Barrowman in the future, don't worry. But we've actually been talking about the Eighth Doctor and Paul McGann. Yes. So, next week, let's talk about, I won't say his only appearance, because that's not true, but at least his dominant appearance and first appearance and that is in the 1996 much debated doctor who tv movie marking the first appearance of the eighth doctor and we always thought the final appearance until he popped up again fantastic yeah it'll be he he's an interesting sort of he's considered one of the classic doctors but actually how many years had gone how many years went from seven to eight off the top of my head, and you're going to embarrass me, I want to say Sorry. 89 was Sylvester McCoy's last time, and that might be wrong, folks. I feel free to write me angry tweets, but I believe 89. So 89 to 96 was nothing. And, of course, 96 TV movie was the attempt to, to revive Doctor it, Who, and yeah. it did not work. So, yeah, so the Eighth Doctor tends to, at least in my mind, stand alone in this void that now the war doctor can help him fill, but obviously that came much later in actual time. So, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting, to me, he's the most mysterious doctor, maybe because he, you know, primarily has that one appearance, even though it's in a, a sort of film timeline. So yeah, it'll be interesting. All right. And if you want to let us know about your thoughts about the 50th anniversary or about anything, Feel free to contact us on our Facebook page. At www.facebook.com slash the nerd party. Or leave us a rating on iTunes and let us know what you think about our topics and future ones to come. And let us know if the Eighth Doctor is your favorite Doctor. You think anybody thinks the Eighth Doctor is their favorite Doctor? Surely someone cosplays them. Surely somebody must. Don't call me Shirley. Well, until next time, darling, you're my favorite person to cosplay with in all of time and space. Does that mean I can finally get out of this TARDIS costume? This is BBC Television.